0: we're on we're on has anyone going to admit to being super and listening to Ashley's talk I did okay it's up on the website if you go to the Facebook page there is a link to the website Um, and you can listen to Ashley's talk from last week Um, so really good if you miss impact or I listen to mine on the train if you like take the bus to school and want to drown out the noise of everyone being annoying around you Ashley's talk would be great to do that with. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing that from now on. Just recording our talks so you can listen at another time or if you miss. I'm going to turn this off now. Actually, no, I'm not. I've got a PowerPoint. I forgot. Um, OK, Esther. Everyone got one? Passing around. Keep them going, Alex. Keep them going. Thank you. Um, so, what I'm sending around. I know it looks a bit boring, but I wanted to give it to you because it is, um, I think, one of the really cool things about Esther and, and kind of why we're taking stories from the Bible and what we're, what we're trying to do uh, this term with looking at stories. So we looked at uh, who we looked at, Jonah and Hosea, and we're taking people and stories in the Old Testament and, and looking at them together, and I think... What you can learn from Esther is that for starters it's awesome because it's it's history it's real and this isn't a made-up story this is a genuine woman living in uh, well we can look at our sheet Mm. kind of where we at Esther comes in 479 bc um so a woman in history She's Queen. Has anyone seen the film 300? It's okay to admit it. It's a safe place. No you haven't? Okay good. Mm-hmm. Don't. Keep it that way. Um, <laughs> it's very violent so I don't recommend um, but um, it's a film about how the Persians um, try and take over Sparta um, which is yeah, it's just a part of history and the bad guy, in, well I don't know the leader of the Persian army and Persian empire in that film is King Xerxes, who is in our Bible. We're reading about him tonight. Xerxes is his Greek name, Ahasuerus is his Persian name, so don't get confused about that. They're the same person. Um, yeah, they're real people. This is a real story, and I think that's really interesting. There, see, it wasn't lying. Not sure he looked like that um, <laughs> in real life, but in the film looks looks like that uh so go esther she's uh she's got a real patch there <laughs> we, can, we can all agree <laughs> uh, yeah so i think that's that's awesome um it's something maybe we don't talk about um enough really but and something maybe your friends will laugh at you at like oh why are you picking up the bible i mean isn't that just all fairy tales and a bit weird um I mean, some of it is a bit weird, but it's not all fairy tales. It's genuine history. This is legitimate. This is we can get our teeth into it. And um, so that timeline, you can you can see how Esther fits in um, to the story of the Bible, but also the story of this world, our real real living world. So if you throw out the map, um, so basically this is the the Babylonian uh, the uh, Persian Empire. And what happened was, um, so in our Bible, we see how the Jews were, um, were being rebellious, and it meant in the end, after you know, lots of warnings, they get exiled. So they get kicked out of their land. Babylonians take over. Um, so if you read a book like Daniel, that's what's happening. Daniel was a guy who was taken and um, brought to, into the Babylonian Empire like one of these exiles. And then you follow that through, and actually, even Daniel prophesied about this. Um, a guy called Cyrus, Cyrus the Great, he took over Babylon as the Medo Persian Empire. So then you get this new empire, biggest empire there's ever been, stretched from, um, from Africa, from Ethiopia to India. That's how the story of Esther starts. Um, and. Then our story is set in Susa, which here is confusingly called Shushan, but don't worry about it, Susa, um, not in Jerusalem, which I think is quite an interesting thing, because by this point, um, Cyrus has said to all the Jews that were um, were exiled during the Babylonian thing, oh, you can go back, so you see people like Nehemiah, that's another book in the Bible, going back and rebuilding, but Esther and Mordecai they haven't done that they've stayed um, in this Persian Empire, so that's the first point I kind of want to want to draw out is that um, they're not kind of in the place that you'd expect God to have them if if you're looking for great examples, great uh, leaders of the Jewish people, you'd kind of expect them to be in Jerusalem um you know, we've, if you go through the Old Testament, it's all kind of pointing towards that, you know. We want to get to the Promised Land, and, uh, and everything is going towards this, that God's going to bring his people to Promised Land, they're going to have Jerusalem, it's going to be great. Um, and that's what you expect the great Jewish leaders to be looking towards, but Esther and Mordecai are not. They are in a foreign-to-them capital. Uh, and as you heard in that story... Really involved. I mean, she's she's queen. She's she's living with this guy who's getting drunk all the time, um, who isn't like a great guy. Thinks it's a great idea to to kill all the Jews. Um, I mean, probably at that stage, if you're a good guy, you're going to be like, hmm, that doesn't sound a great idea. Um, but Xerxes is is really on board um, with this plan. So Esther. Um, Besides, is what I think a really, a really unexpected hero. She's not the greatest moral example, um, especially if you read how she became queen. Um, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty ambiguous what happened there. Uh, she's wife to this guy who is murdering a lot of people, drunk all the time. <laughs> Um, She's not living as a kind of good Jewish person would, um, keeping separate from all of that. She's really involved. Um, She's also not really prepared um, when it comes to the opportunity to save her people. Um, In the story, when the Jews find out um, what the plan is, the plan to kill them, they're all um, sackcloth and ashes and upset. And, and Esther's having a lovely time in the palace. Has no idea what's going on. So says, can you find out why everyone is so upset out there? Like, what is going on? Um, and And finds out that way. So she's disconnected from what's happening. She's not kind of just on her toes, ready to save the day ready to stand up for her people. I mean, you heard um, in that summary, she didn't tell anyone she was a Jew. Um, so when the time came that the um, the edict went out to kill all the Jews, she was kind of safe in a way because no one even knew she was a Jew. So she's not the person you'd look at and be like, hmm, that's going to be our hero. Um, you know, prepared and... Uh, a great example and um, always at church if we put it in our situation she's not that at all but importantly when it came down to it she recognised the calling on her life and she responded courageously so she did become a hero and really the amazing thing from that is that God doesn't, he's not looking for the perfect person to carry out his plan through. He's not looking for the most prepared, uh, the best behaved, anything like that. He's looking for someone that when it comes down to it will take that courageous step and follow him and do what um, he needs them to do. And no one is outside the scope of who he will use. That's, I think, what The story of Esther really shows us here so yeah and she's she's willing she knows what it means she says and you heard it in there like if I perish I perish she understands this plan to to save all the Jews might mean that she'll get killed and yet she's still willing to take it Um, so I think that's pretty heroic okay that's a bit about Esther um, but as we've been saying, as we're looking at these um, kind of Old Testament stories we really do believe that they point to Jesus, that's how the Bible is written kind of why it's written, all pointing towards Jesus and Esther definitely does this as well even though as you heard it doesn't directly mention God it really does call us to, to look to Jesus um, so in, in the book of Esther four chapter 4 14 Mordecai claims if you keep silent at this time relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place so he's basically saying to Esther like, if, if you don't step up um, if this plan doesn't work out, it's okay, I'm not worried. Deliverance, salvation, it will still come. How do you think he can claim something that crazy? Like that? I mean, that's pretty mad, because there's a decree from this all-powerful emperor to kill all the Jews. And he's, you'd think that Esther would be the last hope, you know, queen... Who, if the queen can't save us, and the king is, like, determined to kill us, really, really, Mordecai, you really think that there's another option here? Um, but he's pretty—he's certain about it. He's saying deliverance, salvation, it will come. How can he say that? And this is another reason that we want to look back to the Old Testament. Um, Mordecai can say that because he, he is a Jew he has grown up with all these Old Testament stories um, stories about the exodus and, um, and God saving the people from, from Egypt he, he's convinced that his yeah. God wouldn't let the Jews die at this point um, he knows his God is strong to save and that he can trust in his Lord being the Saviour. That's how he can claim something so outrageous. And it's it's actually it's so interesting in the story. There's also um, a bit where Haman, so the the evil guy, his wife and and his his friends are, are talking. And it's after that bit, if you remember, um, it says Haman's put up this massive stick to. Um, to kill mordecai on and that was actually kind of an idea he came up with with his friends and his wife they're like yeah that's that would work that that sounds a good way to to kill someone that's disrespected you and and then that second time that mordecai disrespects him he comes home and he's oh, really am so angry about this this like he's going to go up on that stick and um and it's after he's had to Parades Mordecai around on this donkey and um, his wife and his friends are talking again and they're like oh Mordecai's a, a Jew oh in that case uh, yeah I'm not sure it's going to work um, that's my paraphrasing where it actually says in <laughs> in 6.13 if Mordecai before you have begun to before, who, before you have begun to fall so Mordecai the one that as it's all starting to turn around, that you're looking pretty stupid in front of. Um, if he, if Mordecai is of Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but surely fall before him. That's his wife talking. Um, and at this point, Haman is still, you know, still second in command. Um, that's a pretty weird thing to say, apart from the fact that she's saying but, but he's a Jew. And do you know who the Jews are? They're the ones that have Yahweh as their... Uh, Um, protector. If you're after him, I'm not sure it's going to work, because he's got Yahweh God as his protector. And that is exactly what happened. Um, So even non-Jews know how strong God is to to protect his people. I mean, yeah, pretty cool. So we start seeing that there's a trust in God being the Amen. ultimate saviour, and from from our point, we look at it from the other side of the cross, and we we can take that further and understand Jesus being our ultimate saviour. Um, so in this story in Esther, um, Haman's which in the video it points out as being kind of the point where everything starts to turn around. Um, that's put up. Um, and the plan is for that to be the thing of evil, to kill Mordecai, our, like, our good guy. Um, but actually it becomes the turning point and it's a place where evil is destroyed, like Haman is destroyed. So I think we can see how that calls us to to looking at Jesus and in this greater story that we're living in, it's actually the cross that's turned into um, being the point which was supposed to um, kill good but actually is the point where sin and evil is destroyed. And it's our turning point in our story of uh, where everything was looking like it was going to go to bad but it's turned around at the cross and turned to good. Um in Esther it's it's Haman's body um that is kind of ends up on that on that spike, on that bit of wood, um just to show the destruction of evil. But in in our greater story, it's Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. And like if you heard Ashley's talk last week, she read from a book and it describes Jesus quite graphically as a carcass on a pole like that's that's amazing that like sometimes I really struggle to understand the shame of the cross for Jesus like what it meant to hang upon it and then I look at someone like Haman and that that pole and I can I can see how he meant that to be the most humiliating thing for his enemy um, and actually it turned out to be the most humiliating thing for him um, and that's something that Jesus went through for us that's incredible um, in Esther it was the queen that risked her life to save her people but in our greater story it's the king of kings that didn't just risk his life but actually gave his life um, to save us so Esther in itself is an amazing story about a woman who you wouldn't expect to be the hero but courageously steps out and becomes that and that's a great example um, for us to look to to not be discouraged that we could be beyond what God would use Um, but it's more than that like just don't just read it and look at um, mm. these real people of Esther and Mordecai but let it do what it wants to do which is to shift your gaze to what what God is doing how he is working the salvation it's ultimately it's not Esther that manages to save them but it's it's God who empowers her and has put her there in the first place and then because we live this side we can let it pull us further and look out to to jesus who who is our ultimate savior who has turned everything around for us on the cross he has brought our salvation he didn't just manage to to save the jews but he's extended it to all of us um and if you haven't felt that accepted that like do it don't leave here um without it but um give your life to him because he has given it for you okay so we're going to do do some worship but there's two kind of questions that I want you to be thinking of um, and just asking God to see if he has anything to say to you for it Um, so either thinking about how God used Esther to to save His people. He put her in that position at that time for a reason to complete His purposes. And He can do the same for you. He wants to do the same for you. He He has you in the place um, for a for a purpose for His purpose. So for Esther, it was the courts of a king to um, save the Jewish people. For you, it could be math classroom to save the person sitting next to you it could be um the football team to encourage the guy who gets bullied but he's wanting to use you in your life Um there's nothing that you've done there's no inadequacy that would stop you from achieving that so you could be thinking about about that and praying for the courage it takes because it does take courage to to respond to um, God using you in those places, um, or I think that Mordecai saying it's okay if if you don't save a sister God will do it another way um, is amazing because we can so often feel like in those, especially in those kind of situations I just described, that we're the ones that have to save the day. Um, I've gone through this so many times of just feeling so stressed out because um, like my friends are struggling so much um, and I want to be the one that turns it around for them but like I described tonight, it's not not us, it wasn't Esther it it won't be us, ultimately it's Jesus that turns it all around so if you have things that you're feeling um, like are weighing on your shoulders that you feel like you have to be the one to save the day I want you to use this time to talk to God about it and just give it up because ultimately it has to be Jesus that, um, that saves the day. He's the one that has power to do it. So let him do it and, uh, and let him help you in those situations but rest on him to be the ultimate salvation. Let us worship. I love you. Thank you. <laughs>